But there needs to be a, a, a shift and, a, and a, a right attitude needs to come into play for us as his people. And there needs to be a shift in our thinking and a shift in the way that we, we walk out this life we call Christianity or being a believer. And he's calling us to a greater cost. And everybody said, amen. I want to do more. I want to suffer for Jesus. No, it's, it's yes, we, we may say that. And we sing songs all the time about, um, uh, with all our life, Lord, we want you to take all of us. None of us left, just you, Lord. But in that is great cost. There's a price to be paid. But the price that needs to be paid pales in comparison to the price that's already been paid. Judy earlier mentioned that somebody that's coming from another country can sense an a attitude of pessimism in, a, in this country. Recently, I was sharing with Dina, I said, you know, it's, I, I feel like even us as a church sometimes, we're, we are burdened by our daily life and our daily issues. And then we end up trying to walk through life as coping Christians. I'm a Christian and I'm coping. Yay, God. And I thought, but Dina, they've called us to much more than that. He's called us to be not just a coping Christian, but to be victorious. Where regardless of the issues, I'm walking around victorious. What's that look like for you on a day-to-day basis? And so, God, I want some answers, and I want, us, I, I want you to speak to us and, and show us what does it look like, what will it take for us to be in that place where life is one of victory, not coping. And, and, and then about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, uh, I believe it was my father had mentioned something about fasting and praying, and when he said fasting, it was like, oh, fasting. That means no food. But I listen, you know, okay, I, that one got filed away somewhere. And then um, a couple weeks ago, uh, Pastor Troy, or Pa Troy, we call him, mentioned that um, he really believes God's calling us. And, and through things that he's seen uh, to a time of what, what is termed a solemn assembly. But what, what that really is, it's a setting aside of time and our agendas as a whole group of believers together assembling, coming together for one purpose, and that is to seek Him and to fast and to pray. So I heard that. And sometimes it takes more than one person for me to get it. But what I got was this is now is a time for us to come together and fast and pray. Some would say, well, what is fasting? Fasting is denying yourself of, and in the scriptures you'll read a lot about denying yourself of food. But it's denying self, and we're going to go into that and talk a lot about that 
today because, again, we've got 10 pages of notes that I haven't even started yet. So I want to share with you my heart and why we're here today. We have different things going on. It keeps coming, and it, and it kind of just irks me a little bit. We keep talking about this election that's coming up, and oh, dear, what's going to happen to our country? God already knows what's going to happen to our country. It's in his hands. Does that mean that we lay down and do nothing? No. That means that we rise up and become all that God created us to be. Not to lie down, but to rise up. And so, yes, we need to come together and pray and fast for our country. But we need to come together and pray and fast for our own world. And what I mean by that is the world that you live in every day. The world that you work in, the world that you live in at home, the world that is friends and family and fellowship. You need to pray and fast for that world. God so badly wants us to be able to walk out our lives according to his will so people can be set free. How many people have experienced freedom in their life? Isn't it awesome? I've seen so many wrecked lives come into wholeness again. And God wants to see that for so many. I'm going to ask Pa Troy if he'd come up and join me this morning. And we're going to sit down together. We're going to talk a little bit about prayer and fasting. And, and there's a book that was out, and I started to refer to it earlier. It's called The Secrets of a Prayer Warrior, written by Derek Prince. And there's a chapter in there that's all around fasting. And so when I say i got 10 pages of notes, I really just have 10 pages. Here's a nice spot for you. That's your spot. There's a, there's a um, chapter in there all about fasting and prayer. And... And it's the book that Troy has brought to my attention, and I've been reading it, and honestly, I've been copying a lot of it, and I'm giving a lot of, uh, I want to make sure you know where it came from. I need to get you a mic. Um, And in this, Troy really, his heart is that people would get a chance to um, know a lot about prayer and fasting, and really learn and study this chapter. And so we're going to go through a lot of it today, but before we get started, thanks Josh, I want to take a minute to ask Troy, Troy on, on Wednesdays for many years at noon, you've been coming to church here and praying faithfully, hardly without fail. How many years have you been doing that now? And then I changed it to having lunch with Jesus. But uh, we, uh, I felt led to uh, pray for those in authority over us. And the scripture in Timothy, it says that the uh, first four verses of chapter 3, I think it is, says pray for all men and pray for those kings. It says old, old time thing, but that means anybody that's in authority over us. That includes uh, all the government officials and the local police and military and and would we've been trying our best to uh, encourage people to come out and join with us but uh anyway this is this is kind of plan b i i had it all prepared what i was going to say but that's you're good. saying it better than me so no, no, that's, that's, good. that's good but you you 
plan B was when I came in the door this morning, he asked me to to uh, uh, think of things that 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 changed my life about it. And actually, that's my testimony. As a result of prayer, I got saved, and it's uh, uh, you know it was it took quite a long time because I'm pretty hard headed, but. Uh, Slowly, I'm I'm a different person than I was in those days, and the Lord's changed me tremendously. But uh, I learned a lot from my wife, of course. But uh, it all come from your granddad. She he was teaching them, and the whole church at that time was was uh, interceding and, and for guys like me, praying for me for many years. That Eileen was. Saved in 77, and it was 81 before I quit drinking. And it was uh, 82 when I got baptized. But then I was, it was all kind of new to me, and I could say I was, I'm a different person now. Those of you that knew me then can testify to that. But uh, it's a result of prayer. And then uh, I, if you told me that then, I, I'd have scoffed at you, right. no doubt. But uh, I just, uh, in 1984 then, after I, I was baptized in 82, so I was soaking it up and, and just enjoying the teachings and, and uh, coming to church regularly. My, my whole life changed right then. I had a different job and all that. Mm-hmm. But uh, we had a, a situation in 1984 as uh, we had a, um, our miracle baby came into the picture. He was uh, born prematurely, and uh, it was uh, it was kind of a, a shock to me, and a, a, I don't know how come and and all that. But you you asked me to uh, yeah. as a result of prayer, we all and we learned about prayer, and we got real sincere about prayer, and that that's uh, I mean he's. Uh, Sitting out there right now, yeah, He's, it all turned out great, and I, I firmly believe that it was a result of prayer, right. no question in my mind. And uh, then uh, uh, other times that uh, I had uh, situations that uh, that we, uh, Eileen fell in a hole and broke her hip one time down in Arizona. And I was out there about midnight. Uh, just arrived at this place where we were going to stay that night. And she stepped in a hole and fell down. And we was way out, twenty miles out of town. And I'm, um, oh my goodness, what am I going to do now? And I'm, well, just praying for her right then and praying what to do. And, and there was a light on in one of the trailer parks across the way, and uh, so I run over there and banged on the door and used the telephone and called the ambulance and then I went back and and I was praying while waiting for the ambulance and and uh, then I said what's the purpose of all this Lord and what what do I need to know and what am I, what should I what do I need to change and it was just like he uh, he showed me to and as a result of all that when I was in the hospital for several days and I stayed right in the hospital with her and I had opportunity then to, uh, and I feel like the Lord directed me to that at that 
time when I was praying that uh, I witnessed for him and, and uh, one of the uh, ladies that was a caretaker, I mean, a, she was a maintenance lady and she, I noticed she was limping and moaning and hurting and trying to, to work and I went over to her and talked to her and and offered to pray for her and, right. and uh, I had several opportunities like that, to attendants around there and so forth, other patients. But uh, after we got home, I got a phone call, and it was this lady that found out, she went to the trouble to find out how to get in contact with me. said, the Lord healed me. She, 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 was, she was excited about it. And, and it's, so this, so this in the midst is, of your circumstance, God direct you to someone else's circumstance yes. outside of your own. And he moved. I mean, that's, that's my testimony. And it, it, it's in, you know, it's, uh, what, what, what can you say? Uh, right. It's uh, fulfilling. I mean, it's, but uh, can I yeah. talk about our, Would I feel like we have the opportunity right now to, to, uh, to pray for our nation mm-hmm. after, uh, and just, Lord, had it all worked out, even to the fact that I uh, reread the chapter eight in this in this prayer book that we're using, and uh, studied it some, and he was he was speaking to me right through the, that book, that it's uh, when you call for a solemn assembly, uh, that means that you're earnest about you're, you're getting serious about it, right. and. Uh, Part of it is denying yourself, of course, and and uh, he's 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 got it. He knows what's going to happen right. and, and all that. But uh, our nation is such that we we certainly we're going to have judgment coming. It seems like it's getting closer all the time, right. and he's he's going to have happen what he wants. But he wants us to be on the, on his team and and. Yeah, somehow or another, the teaching of this book is uh, is amazing. He says that we we uh, can't shouldn't be complaining about who's in charge or who the government is. It's it's our own fault as we don't pray for them as we should. And it's uh, it's come back down to being serious about prayer and and uh, I mean it's. It is serious. You're going to tell us all about it. I'm going to tell you all about it in as much time as I can. Yeah. Do you um, do you recall a time though that that the church came together and fasted for a period of time? Do you remember times? Yes. Way back, well, soon after I became an elder, we we had the school and and. and I was also on the board of directors, and but uh, we had financial problems, and and I felt led to to say that we should, you know, I was just learning about stuff, and and uh, the scripture says that some things you you can't do it except by fasting and praying, mm-hmm. and uh, that's what Jesus instructed the, the disciples that he sent out, and uh, so I used that. And we, uh, we, I called it for a sacred assembly, 
and we we fasted day and night. We we had a schedule uh, through the night over at the lighthouse, and and uh, and that that situation turned around. We was able to meet payroll and et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he he ex- wants us to respond uh, as as I understand it, and we 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 need to respond in in a in a manner that's pleasing to him. Right. And it's, uh, then we, there's a scripture that says he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. And so that reward is, is, uh, is what's, uh, and that shouldn't be our motive though. Right, right. We, we want to do it his way and be on the team. And somehow or another, he waits for us to uh, speak the words. Right. That's what we learned from, another thing we learned from this, this uh, prayer, prayer of a secret, secret prayers of a the secret of a prayer warrior. Yeah, I'm, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, that's Amen. you know when we speak the words that he wants us to speak, and we're more or less in agreement with him, then then that releases his spirit to do that which he wants. Right, because he's a perfect gentleman, and he knows what we should do, and what, but he gives us a free will. He's waiting for us to get get on board, and, yeah. and that releases his spirit. Right. And it's also the scripture that says that we we got an enemy, of course. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what we bind here on this earth, it, that he'll bind it in heaven. What we loose on earth, he'll loose it in heaven. Yeah. So that's, uh, to me, that's kind of a no-brainer for right. us. Right. So. Amen. Well, thank you, Troy. We're going to get into our message, and I'm going to talk like a, like a, uh, what do you call those, an auctioneer, and try to get through this. Well, are you my time? For you. All right. Everybody, if you'd give Troy a hand, he's such a blessing to us as a church. And by the way, I want to offer that, uh, that uh, book to, uh, if anybody's interested in that, when we have our little sign-up thing here. Put your phone number on there, and I'll call you, and, and uh, maybe at your convenience we can we can get together with a group of people and and, and uh, study that so get a better understanding of it. Thank you. Let me, um, again, thank you, Troy, for that. In this... Bear with me. I'm going to read through some things this morning and really try to hang on if you can. Uh, Joel 1, chapter 11 through 12 says, Despair, all you farmers. Wail, all you vine growers. Weep because the wheat and barley, all the crops of the field are ruined. What had happened is this locust had come in and destroyed everything. The grapevines have dried up and the fig trees have withered. The pomegranate trees, palm trees, and apple trees, all the fruit trees have dried up. It's despair. It's, it was ugly. But then it says, and the people's joy has dried up with them. Where's our joy? That's what I was sharing with Dina, too. I said, we need to walk around in victory, and we need to walk around with joy in our hearts and on our lips. Joel one fourteen says, Later on, a couple verses later, it says, Announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Bring the leaders and all the people of the land into the temple of the Lord, your God, and cry out to him there. We need to have a right attitude. 
God, you, you have promised. Thank you. I will seek you with all my heart for the fulfillment of what you have promised. That's our right attitude. Is Lord, it's you. It's not us. It's you. It's you that has provided. It's you that will heal the, this land. He wants us to seek him even when he has told us what he plans to do, though. Even though he, we know what he says is going to happen, we still need to seek him. This is true not only for individual requests, but also for promises regarding the nation and the world. In Ezekiel, there's a, a chapter 36, 22 through 30 says that he is going to do a lot. I am going to do or I will bring. It says I am bringing you back. I am doing it to protect. I will show you how. I will gather you up. I will sprinkle clean water on you. I will give you a new heart. I will put my spirit in you. I will cleanse you of your filthy behavior. I will give you great harvest from the fruit from your fruit trees and fields and never again will the surrounding nations be able to scoff at your land for its famines. As I read this, I can't stop thinking about the whole church, I'm not talking about New Testament church alone, the whole church, and I'm not speaking the church of the world, I'm talking about the church of America. I'm talking about the American church today. In some ways, is it relevant for what the communities need or what our country needs? Or is there a great famine that has been encountered in our churches in our country today? God says, here are certain things that we are going to do. Here's some certain things that he will do. He will, once again, bring life into the church. Amen? Many times he says, I will, and yet look at his words at, at, at the close of this great prophecy. So all the way down, that was verses through 30, but down at verse 37 it says, Thus says the Lord God, I will also let the house of Israel inquire of me to do this for them. Ezekiel was prophesying over Israel at the time. But we could look at Israel and the church today and see a lot of common out, common a lot in common between the two. But even though he has promised that he will restore and he will do, he is asking Israel and the church. He says, "I will let the house of Israel, I will let the house of the church inquire of me to do this." For them, he doesn't want to just do it alone. He wants to engage us in the process. He wants us to inquire of him. The Hebrew word for inquire means to seek God with great earnestness, as we heard Troy mention earlier. He wants us to earnestly go after him. Earnestly. How bad do you want to see a community set alive for him? We were at a wedding last night, and I was looking. There was 100 people there or so, and as I'm looking around, and, and Dean and I just get to hang out because we don't know anybody, right? We're just the officiant. But as we're sitting there, and I'm looking around, and all these people that were there, God wants to know them, or he does know them. He wants them to know him intimately. That, that was a, a harvest field right there that we got to see last night. We get to encounter the field of harvest daily. Daily we get to encounter that. Do we go out ready to reap the harvest? 
how do we have eyes to see the harvest? We have to let him give us his eyes. And we get that when we seek him earnestly. Even though God has stated all the things he's going to do, he still desires that his people seek him. Seek him how? Earnestly. When God begins to move in, in his sovereign, sovereign grace on behalf of his people, in fulfill, fulfilling prophecies and revelations, when God's people see these promises coming into fil- fulfillment, then, then we don't need to sit back and say, wow, look at what he's doing. That, 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 that's not the appropriate response. The appropriate response is, wow, look at what God's doing. The, the re- response should be this. God is moving on our behalf. Let us seek him with all our hearts that we may fulfill the good word he has promised. We're not to be passive Christians. We're not supposed to be passive believers, just watching him pass by and then and saying, wow, look at what God's doing. Yes, he's going to do, but he wants us to partake and be a part of what he's doing and to look at him and say that we are going to seek him with all our hearts that he may fulfill the good word he has promised. Let us ask an important question then. What is God's purpose for us as the body of Jesus Christ? What has God revealed that he will do? What do we see him doing at this time? There's two scriptures. The first is in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And in that it says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. It says, he says there, I will pour out my spirit. And then he couples that with us. He's going to do a work, and we are going to participate in that work with him. Because then it goes on to say, your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. It didn't say, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and all flesh will come to know me, and they'll all be saved, and we're all going to be in heaven. Woohoo! That's not what it says. He says that he'll pour out his spirit upon all flesh, and then what? We will partake and participate with great earnestness, go after it, and and be a part of the work that he is going to do. But for us to partake in that, to participate in that, we need to be ready to do so. No matter what happens, he says, I'm going to do this. He's sovereign. He will move. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. When Peter quoted that statement on the day of Pentecost, he, he, there was a linkage between that and what we read in Joel. Joel 2.25 says, I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. The crawling locust, the consuming locust, the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you, he will restore. He will restore. There's been a time where there's been uh, 
locusts has crept into the land, and maybe it's the land we're sitting in today. Maybe it's the community that we live in. Maybe it's the land that we call our country. What was is not any longer because the locust has come in and destroyed. But the promise is, I will restore. I was just listening to Troy talk, and he mentioned a few things that some of us wouldn't even know what it is. He talked about the lighthouse. The lighthouse is not something that's on the coast that shines a light. Yes, that is a lighthouse, but we had what we called the lighthouse. And you'll notice in our parking lot, there's a gate going into the backyard of another home over here. Well, that used to belong to the church. That was our church offices. I don't want to get into why it's not the churches any longer or any of that. That doesn't matter. What matters is this. I will restore. I will restore. The key word is restore. A national restoration of Israel and a spiritual restoration of the church. God's purpose at this present time as revealed in Scripture is restoration of His people through the outpoured Spirit. Acts 2.17, I will pour out My Spirit. Joel 2.25, I will restore. We see this being fulfilled. The next question then becomes, what is our response to the great move of God? It's a, it's a repentance. It's a returning or a turning of all our hearts. Here's what God requires of his people in order to be delivered from desolation and enter into restoration. Joel 1.14, announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Bring the leaders and all the people of the land into the temple of the Lord your God and cry out to Him there. Cry out to the Lord is what it says. It, 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 that's, a, that, that's showing us that we need to intercede with desperation. What is it that we want to see happen in our community? Oh, I wish it was a more positive message. The flesh in me says, boy, I just want to be joyful. And God says, I, I just want you to be with me. This time of prayer and fasting is a time to come together, not because we just want to say we did it. It's a time to get, come together because we truly want to see His Spirit poured out out upon all flesh, and that he will restore that which he has uh, already determined need to be in place. We look at our country, and do we think that it's better today than it used to be? And I don't know. I don't know what it used to be. I know there's things in our country today that really, truly concerns me. And, it's, and it doesn't have a whole lot to do with who's president as much as it has to do for me that morally, where are we at as a country? Are we honoring the Lord as a country? Are we honoring the Lord 
as a city? Are we honoring the Lord as a church? And, and we read all through the Old Testament how, how Israel, you know, God's people, they, they would start flirting around and hanging out with, with pagan people and pagan countries and start living like they were living. And then God would turn his back on them and they would go into bondage and slavery and be really oppressed. And then they would cry out to God, God, help us. And they would go to this place of, I'm sure, fasting and praying and seeking the Lord, and God would send a, a prophet or a, or, a, or a leader that would come their, their way and speak into their lives, and then what they would do is they would turn their ha- hearts back to God. And as they turned their hearts back to God, blessings would come again, and he would restore them as his people and as a holy nation. But he had to hear the cry of the people in alignment with who and what he had designed for them. He had to hear them cry out and say, Oh God, we want to rely on you again. And then he would restore and bring them back to a right place. What are some things in your own life that you're saying, I need to see righteousness in? I need to see God's hand move in in a particular area of your life. What is that? Well, I think what God would say is, yes, I agree with you in that. Maybe it's healing. God agrees with you that, that healing needs to occur. Maybe it's employment, and God agrees with you that employment needs to happen. Housing, maybe, maybe you're looking for housing. God agrees with you that you need housing. But what he wants to know are you truly in agreement with him because he, he sacrificed to the point of death on a cross for that, for housing for employment, for healing? Are you willing to count the cost and pay the price? Because if you will come into agreement with him, guess what happens on the other side? Restoration. His spirit comes out, poured out upon all flesh, and restoration occurs in your life. But God, what do you need me to do then to to align with you? He wants you to take your attitude and sacrifice it to him. How do I sacrifice my attitude to you, Lord? Well, that's where fasting and praying comes in. There's two kinds of fasts. There's the right one and there's the wrong one. The wrong fast, if we look in Isaiah 58, it talks about, uh, I'll read quickly, we have fasted before you, they say. Why Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. You humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourself with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? That's that's the wrong kind of fasting. The, The right kind of fasting we read in Isaiah 58 verse 6 
Is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke? I do not know any passage with as many promises as you can see in this. He says, to loose the bonds of wickedness. Do you see wickedness tying up and becoming bondage for our community? To let the oppressed go free, to undo heavy burdens, and to break every yoke. Verse 7 says, Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Fasting must be accompanied by an attitude of genuine, practical charity towards those who are in need. Fasting, right fasting, is one that is not about what you are doing. It's about why you're doing it. When we fast, we can expect guidance, direction, and positive, clear assurance of God's presence and leading in every situation. Verse 12 of Isaiah 58 says, Those from among you who shall Build the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations, and you shall be called the repairer of the breach, the, rest, the restorer of streets to dwell in. Verse 12 is the promise of restoration. Those from among you shall build up the old waste places. It also says that we will be the repairer of the breach. All through Scripture, you can read about different ones that fasted before they did anything. They listened to the Lord before they would go on mission trips like Paul. I'm going to go through four principles of fasting, and I'm skipping a lot here. Because I want you to, I want to get to the close. The Word of God shows many basic principles related to fasting. Here are four. Before I go to these four, I want you to stop and just pause for a second. You're thinking in in practice. What is it that you you really see as a wasted place in your life? What do you see as a wasted place in the community? What do you see as a wasted place in our country? Is it all okay? Because what I see on Facebook doesn't really say it is. Or are there some wasted places? He wants to restore the wasted place. He wants to. And he's looking for us to join him in that. So we're being called as a church, as the New Testament church at 108 West Woodland, to a period of time where we're going to pray and we're going to fast, believing that God wants to use us to restore the waste places, to repair the breaches. This is a call to action. 
I look around and I say, well, there's not as many people here today as there was even last Sunday. So what I do see before me are the people that he's calling out to participate in this 40-day fast. Pastor, are you saying I can't eat for 40 days? I'm not saying that, but I might be saying that. But what I am saying is this. For 40 days, starting this Tuesday, we are going to pray and fast wherever you're at. It it might be I'm going to fast breakfast, or I'm going to fast lunch, or I'm going to fast dinner. There's a 21-day fast that that we'll get out there on on Facebook, so you'll have that. It's, It's not even food. It's fasting social media and different things like that. You're denying your flesh of things. Why? So you can come into agreement with him that he wants to restore that which the enemy has, which is the locust, has destroyed. Locust was this ugly bug. I came walking into the house yesterday to refill our hummingbird feeder. And as I walk in the house, there's this ugly bug on there. A praying man is coming in the house with me. And I went and released it after it scared me. But locust looks like a grasshopper. And it was large, I'm sure, back in those days. But everything that it came across, it completely destroyed. I look at our, at our lives, and as our country goes, I hear about all this. Um, I, I, I was listening to some messages recently, and they're talking how there's revival happening right now. There's revival happening right now. How many years have we known that we've prayed for revival? Most of my life, I can remember praying for revival. Lord, send revival. Revival's here. Are you in it? Because revival's here. It's, what, you, what you're seeing, though, is lots of revival and lots of people coming to know the Lord, but not always in America. Because I think what the locust has destroyed, we're still dismayed over. It's time for us to pull up our pants Make sure we're ready, clean ourselves up, and go to battle. And we do it on our knees, praying and fasting. Four principles of fasting. Self-denial. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Fasting is denying your old rebellious ego. And one simple word is, is to say, no, your stomach says I want. And you say to your stomach, you don't dictate. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.27, I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. He said that those who strive for mastery in athletic contests are, are temperate, self-controlled in all things. How much more should we be who are striving for mastery in the spiritual contest? A professional athlete is careful about what he eats, how much he sleeps. He even watches his mental attitudes because they affect his prospect of success. How much more do we as Christians have to be sure that we have brought our bodies under control? We have the Daniel fast, and we have the group that meets every every, uh, Monday. A number of years ago, God told me this. This is Derek Prince out of his book. 
If you want to go forward, there are two conditions. The first condition is that all progress is by faith. If you're not willing to go forward in faith, you cannot go forward. The second condition is this. If you are going to fulfill the ministry that I have for you, you will need a strong, healthy body, and you're putting on too much weight. You better see to that. I could receive that word. That was to him. That is exactly how God spoke to him. He said, believe me, in years that have elapsed, I have come to see that I do need to be strong and healthy. I do everything in my power to keep myself spiritually, mentally, and physically fit for the one thing that matters more to me than anything else is fulfilling God's calling on my life. Aspect number two, self-humbling. Fasting is self-humbling. Second Corinthians or Second Chronicles 7 says, 7.14, we know this verse, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. How do you humble yourself? David wrote about this in two of his psalms, Psalms 35.13 and 69.10. He said, I humbled my soul with fasting. Some people pray, God, make me humble. But that is not a scriptural prayer. God says, humble yourself. He can humiliate you, and he might have to, but the only person who can make you humble is yourself, and one good way to humble your soul is with fasting. Right priorities is number three. Fasting asserts right priorities. We looked earlier at Jesus' directive to to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. We talk a lot about this. What are we seeking first? Our own priority, our own agendas, our own success? Or do we seek Him first and let Him bring us His agenda? Let let Him bring us His success. Number four, dependence upon God. Fasting also demonstrates our dependence upon God. Fasting tells God, God, I don't have the answer. I can't do it. I'm looking to you. It acknowledges dependence upon God and leads to divine intervention. One attribute of a New Testament church is fasting. In Scripture, it doesn't say, if you fast. Jesus says in Matthew, in the middle of his Beatitudes message, he says, when you fast. It's not an if, it's a when. And as I share this message, I know and I'm keenly aware of the fact that there's personal needs that exist here today. We all have personal needs and issues that we are trying to cope with. But God has called you beyond being dismayed and coping to a place of victory and joy And in order to get there, we must go through the path of fasting and praying. Who thought they were going to come to church today and be told not to eat? I shared recently, on the the third Tuesday of the month, at 6.30, we're doing third Tuesday night prayer. And, and there's been a, 
some of us leaders that got together this last Tuesday, and monthly I want to do this and come together, and I believe we're going to set this time aside and pray. We come in here, there's just music playing, and we just go to our corners or go to our place, and we pray and we seek Him. But we do it together. Third Tuesday night prayer. But I was sharing with them that that God was telling me to quit looking at my footfall and where my feet were going, but to put my eyes on the horizon and where he's taking us. Because when we are looking down at where our feet hit the pavement or where our foot falls, then our countenance becomes one that's cast down. He wants us to lift up our head and see the horizon to where he's taking us. And in that, you'll see this this awesome picture of restoration, of his spirit falling. And, And in order to get there, though, we have to submit ourselves to this place of prayer and fasting. So on a practical level, as we close, I'm going to ask that this week, a couple of us tomorrow or today, on Facebook, who does not have Facebook? I know there's a few of you. So starting Tuesday this week, we're going to start this time of prayer and fasting all the way up to uh, Sunday the 6th. It's a communion Sunday. We'll come together that communion Sunday and and we'll break our fast with communion. It happens to be the Sunday before the election on the 8th. And we're going to fast for 40 days, believing that he already wants to do, and we want to come into agreement with that. We've seen his hand move in our presence here where Sprinklings of healing and miracles have occurred, and we see healing and we see miracles present today. But again, it's just a sprinkling of what could be when we all come into complete alignment and agreement with Him. I'm going to let you decide what that looks like for you over the next 40 days. Is it 40 whole days without food? Is it 40 days of doing something, denying self? Humbling self. Can we agree to do that for 40 days? Church? Can we? Will we? Can you smile at me? Let's pray. God, we come before you, humbling ourselves because there's all kinds of things that our flesh wants and that we want. But God, we want to humble that because it really is nothing. in comparison to what you want. Lord, forgive me for the times that I 
have tried to obtain the things that I wanted. But hear our cry, God. Now we want the things that you want for us as a church. What you want for us as a people of a great nation. We as Americans have been called great because you made us great. Not because of what we've made ourselves. So Lord, I pray that we'll turn our hearts back to you. That once again we'll be known as a great nation with a great God that can be glorified throughout our country. Lord, I pray for the churches of this country that you'll, you'll give them the fortitude and the desire to rise up and be believers, walking out faith day in and day out, not Sunday morning only, but faith in the workplace, faith in the home. Lord, I pray that we as a church will rise up and walk joyous and victorious as we walk out faith. Lord, I no longer want to see that which the locust has destroyed. I no longer want to see wasteland. Lord, I want to see restoration. And God, whatever we have to do, we come to you, Lord, and say, show us, Lord, what do you want us to do? And may we do it, not because of our desires or our agenda, but because we want to see you glorified, God, only you glorified in our communities. And in this place, as we submit ourselves to you in this time of prayer and fasting, God, I pray that you'll speak to us clearly. That relationship will become, uh, will grow so much closer than it's ever been. That we'll come into right relationship with you. Wherever we've been wrong, Lord, I pray for right relationship with you. Lord, I look for the day of glorious breakthrough. I look for the day of, of salvation after salvation after uh, freedom uh, and freedom after freedom, Lord, for people that are in bondage. I know, I know, God, that you want to see people restored right with you. Let us be a place, Lord, that can agree with you in that and rise up and be change agents in this community. That's our cry that people will encounter your presence, and in your presence, Lord, their lives will be changed for eternity. And we pray all this in agreement with you, Lord, interceding for those that aren't here, Lord, standing in the gap for those that are hurting, God. There's those that can't even pray to you right now, Lord, because they've, they've struggled so much in life. Lord, we pray on their behalf that you'll meet them and reach them where they're at. I love you, Lord. Thank you for all that you're going to do. Thank you for giving us vision on the horizon. In Jesus' precious name, we pray. Everyone said, Amen.